0: Welcome back to the Patient Safety Podcast, and thank you for joining us after our summer break. This series is brought to you with the support of W21C in the coming School of Medicine at the University of Calgary. This episode features Dr. Sam Garvey, Associate Chief Medical Information Officer and Internal Medicine Physician at Vancouver Coast Health. Sam is here to talk about patient handover. As he describes, this now standard practice of how more than one physician will deliver care to a single patient over 24 hours is a practicality that has its own pitfalls. Sam talks about how the practice evolved and where things can become problematic and affect patient safety. Finally, he discusses a possible solution in Virtual Ward, a software platform that he is trialing and studying in the clinical environment. Just a note, although Sam is talking about a specific tool, W21C is not necessarily endorsing the platform with this podcast. And now, Sam Garvey.
1: So I'm here today to talk about a major issue in patient safety, which is patient handover, and a tool that we've developed to address that issue uh, known as the virtual war. time, physicians have been working on call in the hospital 24-7, 1-2 and two call. I mean, our predecessors in the 70s, 80s, even early 90s worked outrageous amounts of hours in the hospital, but often what happened as a result of that was errors, medical errors, morbidity, mortality that came from just being fatigued, tired, but at the same time, they were always the same person seeing their patients. There was a certain continuity of care that up until even my day now in certain centers, people argue for which is beneficial to patient care, and that's a valid argument. Nonetheless, also living at the hospital 24-7 isn't practical, and we've been moving away from that. And in fact, in recent years in the States and in Canada, there have been work hour restrictions that have put into place which have forced shift work. Now, that's great in a lot of ways. It's great for patients, it's great for uh, healthcare professionals, but at the same time, over the past several years, we've seen that despite that change, patient safety hasn't necessarily improved, and the errors that we see attributed to hospital care have just shifted from one kind of error to another, and this other form is errors in patient handover. What we've seen is data from the states where they've actually said that two-thirds of uh, sentinel events are actually related to patient handover, and that was discussed in the IPAS uh, study, which was a major study that was recently published by Harvard, a landmark multi-site research communication and patient safety study involving nine institutions across the U.S. and Canada. What they found was implementation of a bundle of interventions to improve resident and physician communication during handover of patient care was associated with a 30% reduction in preventable, adverse events, and that's medical errors that result in harm to patients that's huge. That's something that we really need to take note of and that's just relating to education and some tools and some mentorship in those settings. Now imagine if we took that and integrated with a health information infrastructure, clinical information system essentially, a tool that we can use for handover within that setting and implemented that in our sites. And that's what really we're doing right now and we think will be the new standard of care and needs to be the new standard of care. But in this country and Canada some studies have shown that the third leading cause of morbidity and mortality are in fact healthcare professionals and that's extremely disconcerting and we should be really looking at why that is and really I think that the handover and communication process is a big big part of it. I think that we have phenomenal healthcare practitioners in this country who are knowledgeable, who work hard and who mean well but ultimately the system is letting them and patients down and it's that infrastructure that we need to improve and that's ultimately what's costing lives, what's costing money to the system and frustration to all of us. Currently, the state of our inpatient care settings is that somebody works during the daytime, and then they go home at, let's say, 5, and then there's a nighttime call person, a clinical associate, a resident, a fellow, a staff person. Then the post-call person goes home at 7, 8 a.m. The next day, somebody else comes back in. There's very little, if any, communication between these two people or groups of people as it currently stands, and if there is, it's often verbal. Sometimes it may be something scribbled on a piece of paper, but inherently, it's not a process that's structured and it's not done in a way that could be best optimized. Really the problem is twofold. One is that culture of handover, that habit is not necessarily there, and the education around what information to pass on. Sometimes when handover does occur, especially in the verbal format, it could be quite wordy and lengthy and inefficient as well. But then once you have handover in place and a process for teaching handover, the next step that you need, in my eyes and in the eyes of my colleagues who have developed this tool, is in fact health information infrastructure for that. I think that verbal communication is great, but written communication needs to go hand-in-hand with that in terms of patient handover and, in fact, adds an improved layer in terms of that communication and handover process and having something written in a standardized, structured manner that can be shared among healthcare professionals. Taking care of a group of patients is really that standard that we think we should be moving to. And that's why we built the Virtual Ward, which is an electronic handover application and have uh, worked to implement it at many of our sites in Vancouver. Vancouver. With the virtual ward, it's an electronic tool designed to make medical practice and handover communication workflow all more comprehensive, safe and efficient in the inpatient setting a website that you can access from your laptop, your desktop, an app on your smartphone, on your tablet. Now, you may be asking yourself, slow down here. Is that safe and secure? And obviously, any time you build any kind of clinical information system, tool, it has to be safe and secure, and it is. We've spent a lot of time making sure that we have the highest level of safety and security parameters in place so that we do not compromise patient data, because at the end of the day, we built something at a grassroots level by physicians, for physicians, to improve patient care. Care. The last thing we would want to do is to harm patients and those outcomes. So, safety and security. Now, two is functionality. Does it work? I mean, that's the other big issue, and we've dealt with that and it is functional. But more importantly, and the third point is intuitiveness. Many of the systems that we use are safe and secure. Are functional when it comes to clinical information systems, but they're not particularly intuitive. In fact, it takes quite a bit of training to get physicians, nurses, other healthcare professionals up to speed with being able to use those systems. Many, many hours in some cases. And in fact, ongoing support as time goes on. What we've aimed to do is make something that's absolutely intuitive. The same way that your grandma can create a Facebook account and be up and running within minutes, I think that that's what we should be aiming for with any kind of technology. And lastly, it's the fourth point in terms of our Vision with this is cost effectiveness. This is a socialized healthcare system with limited resources, and we need to drive down costs, if anything, and any tools that we develop need to be cost effective, and that's the case here. what are the benefits of this tool? The benefits that we see with the virtual ward is that it provides a standardized tool for patient handover. It improves safety and security of patient data by decreasing the probability of compromised patient information by doing away with printed lists, billing cards, all of this paper that overwhelms us. It improves practitioner accountability through providing the ability to track and audit task completion among team members. So essentially you have a list, a handover list shared among the residents, students, staff, and and everybody's sharing that same data, editing that same data, completing tasks on that same list, and that can be audited and tracked through checklist functionality, which is, again, huge. Other benefits include improved efficiency of patient communication and handover through essentially a centralized repository of information that contains patient summaries, issues, and tasks that are shared among healthcare providers. Reduction in the duplication of work is another big thing that we need to move towards. And with the virtual ward, we've shown that there's a reduction in the duplication application of work with staff, residents, medical students who do not have to keep separate lists or cue cards. That's a redundancy in the system that we do not need. The entire patient profile can be kept in one location if one wishes. And ultimately, with this tool, we see it as a way of not only improving patient safety, but also through that process, increasing the time that physicians can spend with their patients. More and more, we seem to spend time documenting, writing down things, jotting things, this and that. And I think that the handover process can can be cumbersome, and we have had feedback in the past, both with verbal and written handover, that, you know what, this this just creates another barrier for me. This just consumes more time in my day-to-day in the inpatient setting that's already fairly busy. Now, the truth is that with any new process, it is going to take some time to learn how to do handover properly in a structured manner and to document that. But ultimately, what we've seen is that it is overall reducing the duplication of work, and that's leading to time saved in the big picture. And I think that's the critical thing in any setting where if you're an institution looking at putting handover process in place, just like any new process implementation, it takes a little bit of time. That change in behavior leading to a change in habits and ultimately to a change in culture takes time. And there will be initially some inefficiencies, just like any other process when you start it. But ultimately what we've seen is that it is much more effective in reducing the duplication of work and saving time. Right now, one of the main centers where it's implemented is on the CTU, the Clinical Teaching Unit, which is an internal medicine ward at St. Paul's Hospital. And really, as it stands today anyways, what has been great to see is that how our colleagues have had such positive feedback for us in terms of the benefits of having this tool in place. We've heard a lot of great stories about how this tool has improved care and continues to do so. And we're looking forward to really studying this, not just taking stories in our own impression. And ultimately, you need data and you need to study that and to see if you are having positive impact. And if so, to what degree.
0: That was Sam Garvey talking about handover and a potential solution with virtual patient. A reminder to visit PatientSafetyPodcast.com to find materials referenced in this or any of our other episodes. You can find all of our episodes for download there or from W21C.org, or you can subscribe to the series for free from iTunes. Remember that we'd love to hear from you, so please email your feedback, comments, or suggestions for our series to W21CEDU at UCalgary.ca. Thanks for listening.